Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley is behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. That's how you hop in on this Tuesday night. Coming up about a half hour from our Brad Spielberger Pro Football Focus. We'll have a hot stove check-in with Philly stuff coming up. Some Philly's rumors at the uh, top of the next hour, 9 o'clock hour. we talk to you uh, over the next couple hours here on the show. 215-592-9494. Agree or disagree, Jalen Hurts will become the greatest quarterback in Eagles history when his career is over. I do believe that. And and I've, I really thought it for the first time watching the game on Sunday. His arc, his career, his trajectory, his play this year, his age, the relative lack of greatness at the position here in Philadelphia over the years doesn't mean there haven't been good quarterbacks. I mean, there's, there's a good history of quarterback play here, especially dual-threat quarterbacks from Donovan to Randall. Jaws, obviously, not a dual-threat, but Jaws was a good Eagles quarterback. Um, and then comments like Mike Vick or you know Nick Foles is in his own special category and delivered a championship here. Carson Wentz, who had one great season. Like, there's been good quarterbacks here. But when I you add it all together and you throw in the drive that Hurts has, that football seems to be number one for him and he's just driven in a way that most guys aren't. I mean, even really good players aren't driven like him. I think he's going to surpass all these guys. And if he can be have some sort of longevity, like right? finish a second contract out, get to the age of 30, and win a Super Bowl, I think he'll surpass Donovan. 215-592-9494. All right, along with that, I want to throw this in the mix. It is what to watch for here because I am watching to see if this comes to fruition. Sponsored by Xfinity, Xfinity the Fast Internet in Philadelphia, and the sponsor of our Xfinity Lounge. Tucker, let's let everyone hear again when you get a second what Malcolm Jenkins had to say with John Clark on his podcast, kind of hinting at the idea that, you know, if the Eagles need him, maybe Malcolm would come back. If that's what you're asking me, John, I can still play. I'm still in shape. I'm still working out. You know, it's not far-fetched. I'm still in in it. But, uh, you know, it is – I do enjoy my seat of, of watching as a fan. But I could definitely, you know, I could come in for a stretch. So we had Howard on earlier in the show, riding with the King. He wants no part of the Malcolm Jenkins uh, reunion with the Eagles. And if the Eagles didn't have a glaring problem right now, I probably would say, nah, I'm okay. Uh, and I really don't think at this point Malcolm could play safety at, at a high level. He, he really became a box linebacker, more of a hybrid safety linebacker down in the last few years of his career. So I, I, And I actually thought I saw some good things out of Reed Blankenship on Sunday. I know he took a bad angle on that touchdown late in the game to Christian Watson. But I saw some instincts out of Reed Blankenship. I and mean, that, that interception was a really good play by the young safety. And some of those tackles coming downhill, I, I'm fine with Reed Blankenship playing safety the next couple of weeks in, you know, however long Chauncey Gardner Johnson is going to be out with the lacerated kidney, which just sounds so painful. But if Malcolm Jenkins would be willing to come back here and play as a backup on defense and play, spe- I mean, I'm serious, play special teams. I know he'd probably be the most accomplished midseason special team signing in, in maybe NFL history. If he's willing to do that, Tucker, I, I would entertain the idea of bringing Malcolm Jenkins back. We, we, I mean, they already went down this path with Sue and Joseph and Robert Quinn. They obviously have no problem bringing in older players who used to be great on a very limited kind of snap basis to get what they can out of them down the stretch of a season. Their special teams are awful. I, I have to imagine... 10 snaps a game on special teams Malcolm Jenkins could help. And he was such a versatile defender, even at the end, when, when he was with New Orleans, you go look at his snap counts, he played almost equally in the box and at free safety and at slot corner. If you add him in as a third safety behind Blankenship and, and Epps right now, and then he kind of falls into a more complimentary role once C.J. Gardner-Johnson comes back, I think that would fit. And you mentioned, I think the big thing with special teams right now is 
and I heard Ike talk about it yesterday, they don't really have any core special teamers, right? Like, mm-hmm. Sean Bradley's been a special teamer for pretty much his entire time as an Eagle, and they have other guys, mostly backup linebackers and things, but they don't have a guy like Chris Maragos, right? They don't have a guy who's made his bones as a special teamer who basically goes down and flies down on, on cake and punt returns and, and makes sure they don't give up big returns, and... Adding someone like Malcolm Jenkins, who pretty much takes pride in everything he does and would take pride in, in leading a unit like that, I think would be a huge help. And also, he's probably like four or five years older than, than Michael Clay, the coordinator. Well, you're that is true. And Michael Clay's under fire now. And by the way, I, I, don't, I don't think unless this changes, Michael Clay's going to be here next year. His, that's, this special teams unit stinks right now. I mean, they cannot be giving up return after return the way they are. I'd be interested in Malcolm Jenkins coming back in a backup role, third safety role, and as a special teamer with you. 215-592-9494. Let's go back to the phone lines here. Mark is in Woodbury Heights. Hey, Mark. Joe, how you doing? Good. How you doing tonight? I'm a little concerned, Joe. Okay. About what? Everybody's pumped. Everybody, you know, you got to be happy. They're 10-1, and one, this and that. Here's how I look at things. Jalen Hurts has been outstanding. Um, the offense has been really good. The defense has been okay. Uh, good at times, bad at times. Can this team win the Super Bowl? It is, right now, the way things are after the last three games, do you feel confident that this team can win the whole thing? I do that's feel a, I, 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 I do feel confident they can. I don't feel confident as the way they've played the last month that they will. They can. I mean, I, I, Mark, I think it's a short list right now of teams I could see winning the Super Bowl. I, don't, I mean, how many great teams are running around the NFL this year? I, I, so I think they can. I don't feel as strongly they will after the last few weeks. So here's the bottom line. Right, and I agree with you, Joe. I agree. I, I don't like the way they played against Washington. The Colts stink. They stink. Think you barely act out a win there, and Green Bay moved the ball on them pretty easily. And I'm not trying to be negative, but if you want to win the whole thing, you have to look at the big picture. Not hey, I'm, they're ten to one. Let's be happy. Let's get down the sidewalk. No, we want to win the whole thing, and special teams is an issue. The defense is inconsistent. I'm not going to beat up Jonathan Gannon like these other idiots. Because I'm not, I'm not going to blame him. I don't think this team is as good as the 17 team. Um, I think there's too much reliance on Jalen Hurts. I mean, this guy's doing everything. And I don't think that's a healthy formula, Joe. I just don't think it's a healthy formula. You know, you know what's um, interesting, Mark, about what you said, that you don't think they're as good as 17? You know, you know what I've noticed the past month? The 17 team, their depth was so amazing that they lost player after player, and it really didn't yeah. affect them, right? Jordan Hicks, uh, oh, Jason Peters, major. Darren Sproles, obviously Wentz in December. This team, I think, like at their peak, if they were all healthy, I think they could be better than 17, but but they're not as deep. So they they got to well, get fully healthy here. Well, they had great depth. They had major injuries that tons, year. Tons, tons. But the defense in 17 was nasty. They were nasty. So, you know, that's my concerns. And then, you know, ranking these quarterbacks, uh, Joe, I can't put Jalen Hurts in there yet. Let's get the season finished. Then we can talk about where he is. I, McNabb's number one. There's no question about it. 
number two, um, I guess you have to say Nick Foles. I, I think you do. Five I, years, I, yeah, five years and the Super to. Bowl and the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, and he and not just the Super Bowl, Joe. He played two perfect games to win the Super Bowl. The Minnesota game, he was unbelievable. People don't talk about that. He was unreal against the Vikings. And then, obviously, what he did against the Patriots. It's just unbelievable. He played perfect football. And then the third, in my opinion, the third quarterback of all time is Ron Jaworski. The year they went to the Super Bowl, he was NFC Offensive Player of the Year. I mean, I, I don't think he gets enough credit historically on how good he was and what he did for the Eagles especially in the NFL at that time, which was loaded, um, to, to take the Eagles from, you know, back in the mid-70s to the late-70s, from a nothing to an okay team to a powerhouse, Ron Jaworski was great. Yeah, he I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. And, and Ron, I, Mark, Mark, appreciate it, uh, as always. I The other thing about comparing quarterbacks of different eras is the stats are never going to add up. Like Mark just brought up uh, the 1980 Jaws season. Finished third in the MVP voting. Uh, Ron Jaworski said third for MVP. I, I didn't know they gave out NFL, NFC Offense Player of the Year. I, I'm not, they still do that? I don't think so, right? Uh, they do NFL Offensive Player of the Year, right, but not the, NFC AFC. Right, that's what I mean. And maybe that was something they did back then. Um, 1980, Ron Jaworski led the NFL in adjusted yardage per attempt. He was... Um, Third in the MVP voting. I mean, he had an excellent season. I mean, 3,529 yards and 27 touchdowns in, in the 1980s, a, a pretty outstanding season. I mean, that the game was different. The league was different. I don't know what the equivalent of that is today, but I would guess it's probably something like, is it something, is 35, 29 in 1980 something like 45? You know, 4,500 yards today, maybe it's a 1,000 difference. 27 touchdowns, maybe that's close to 37 today. Maybe some sort of equivalent like that. It's it's a lot. It's it's. He had a great year that year. And he, and he had a good career as an Eagles quarterback. I mean, there's no question. And he did help them bring them out of the doldrums to where they are now. As far as the whole concern thing, 10-1, and one, can, can I, I just want to add this, um, this thought into the universe or whatever we call this WIP universe we have together. Is this a universe we're in? Is it when I when we speak on the air? Is is the it, simulation? The simulation. So this isn't. I'm not talking into the universe. This is in real life. It's radio, or, or an app, the Odyssey app, or in your car, your radio, whatever. Um, I'll just speak it into something. I I do think. Are there reasons to be concerned? Like, are, are the Eagles playing perfect football right now? No. Right. These games have been close. The, the Packers are bad. Close game. Colts are bad. Close game. Commanders are actually not bad, but they're also not that good, and they lost. Uh, I don't – I'm not going to include the Texans game in there. They won that game by 12 points on the road in a short week. I'm fine with that. But the last three weeks have been, you know, very close, and they could have lost all three. I mean, that, that's the reality. But they're winning the games. Like last year, for example, you know the Rams were winless? But the, the eventual Super Bowl champion Rams, not, not this Rams team. Who This might be the worst Super Bowl hangover, by the way, I've ever seen. The Rams are terrible. But – I'm speaking right now about last year's Rams team. Tucker, do you know how many games the Rams won last year in November? Last November, the Rams. Is it zero? It's zero. And they won the Super Bowl. Okay, so obviously their fan base was probably panicking What if they have fans. But they didn't look like a Super Bowl team in November last year. Then they got going in December, and they got in the playoffs, and we know what they did. Here's what's the good – here's like the silver lining of the Eagles' disjointed play the last three or four weeks. They're still winning the games. 
They're two and one these last three weeks. Three and one if you go back to the the uh, Texans game. If you want to include that in our sample, and they're tracking still for home field advantage. So th- this kind of actually reminds me more of seventeen because the Eagles had a little lull in seventeen. Right, you go back to December of seventeen. They lost the Seahawks on the road. The Rams game was choppy, and they gave up a lot of points in that game. The Rams were really good. Wentz got hurt. Next week they went to what? They went to the Giants the week after the Wentz injury. And if I recall correctly, they gave up a lot of points to a bad Giants team. That they, they didn't. Nick Foles threw for three touchdowns that game. They, but they didn't win the game like thirty to ten, right? The Giants scored a little bit. Uh, it was thirty-four twenty-nine. Right. So they gave twenty-nine points to a bad Giants team. The next week was, if I'm if my memory serves, was it the Christmas night game against the Raiders? Yes. Where they looked like crap. I mean, they could they couldn't do anything. That was an ugly football game. And Did then they scored nine points in the last twenty-two seconds of that game to win nineteen to ten. So they were really up. 10-9? It was 10-10. 10-10. Elliott kicked a field goal with 22 seconds to go, and then Derek Barnett returned a fumble for a touchdown. So really they expired. scored 13 points that game. Yes. Okay, and that team won, won the Super Bowl. So like teams that win the Super Bowl sometimes have lulls in November, December. The key is keep stacking wins, get to the playoffs, and in the Eagles' case right now, get home field. So that that's why I'm not pushing the panic button. They're still winning the games. 2 one 94 Let's talk to – we got Mike and Exton. Hey, Mike. Joey, how are you? And I want to begin by saying I want to tell you this before Thanksgiving, but our friendship is as strong as the Jason Worth Howard Eskin friendship. I agree with that, Mike. We've had our differences, but look at us now. <laughs> now we're doing podcasts together and radio shows. Yes, I agree. Oh, yes, it's special. Anyway, here, here we go. All right, before we go to Canton, Joe, I'm old, but I'm not that old. I am not a fan of the Earl Campbell quarterback. And you and Howard talked about it on your little show before, uh, longevity of Jalen. I mean, I I just, you know, and we don't talk about it much, but in last week's game, he almost got hammered in the head at the end of the game, if I remember correctly. You know, I just see it. I mean, we know what happened to Wentz. We know all these people. I know he has to do what he does. But um, I'm just uh, wary, I should say. Well, I think, you, I mean, Mike, you should be. The guy's on pace for 200 carries as a quarterback. It's never happened before. I, I worry about it, too. It's like, it's like that give and take where I, 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 you, we have this conversation on a Tuesday night, and I agree with you, and I'm worried, and then I watch him run during the game, and he's running for 40 yards, and, I, and I'm, I'm excited because it's a big play, and he's really good at it. But you're not wrong. Like, Do I think he's going to play until he's 35 or, or like some of these quarterbacks do? I don't. I, the way he plays, I, I doubt he'll last that long, and I, I don't know how long he will. Uh, Joe, I will say this. I mean, I, uh, Dick Vermeil, when he was coaching the Eagles and he just got out and he said, um, don't get rid of character. He has character. Maxie has character. Carter Hart has character on a horrible organization, I should say. But he, he Hurts has the best character I've ever seen of an Eagles quarterback besides Jaws, I would say. Nick Foles had it too, I would say. Nick That's true. I agree. I mean, I mean, I can't name everybody, but, you know. He's just tremendous. And what he is is a guy I think you, you could count on. Like the physical stuff and the, and the longevity, I don't know. Mike, appreciate it. That, that, I don't know. But you could count on. I, I think there's – I'm sure we're going to talk this offseason a lot about how much they're going to pay him, when they give him the contract, do they wait until Burrow and Herbert sign their contracts, and Tua. This, this offseason, by the way, is going to be insane with quarterback contracts. 
Because when the season ends, Jalen Hurts, Tua, Joe Burrow, and and um, Justin Herbert are all eligible for contract extensions. And there's as sh- is Lamar Jackson. As is Lamar. Now he is a free agent. These these guys that we're talking about are not free agents, right? Jalen Hurts is a year left. Those guys have actually two years left because they were first round picks. The other part of the 2020 class. So I mean, technically, these teams don't have to do anything, but they're eligible for their deals. And all five could be in the playoffs. We could have five playoff quarterbacks get paid at the same time. That means a lot of money is going to be thrown. I wonder, I mean, typically the Eagles want to be first, or they were first with Wentz because it was Dak and it was Goff and it was Wentz. Now that backfired. Tremendously. For everyone but the Cowboys. It, it, it backfired poorly. But I, do you think the Eagles changed their M.O.? I mean, their M.O. is be they'd rather be first than last. Yeah, I don't know, because the other thing to think about is it's not like last year where there's an abundance of other quarterback options. And I think after watching how Russell Wilson has failed so spectacularly in Denver, although there's a lot of other issues going on in there right now, I feel like teams are more desperate to hang on to the guys they know, right? I feel like a team can't go, well, you know, if you don't want to sign here, we'll go out and trade for this guy, because one, I don't think that guy and, and you know outside options necessarily exist in this offseason, and two... The guys changing teams aren't playing that well this year. Mm-mm. Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> the Russell Wilson thing. Or even, like, just the older guys, right? Like Brady and Rodgers. And oh, right. They aren't playing well. I think Geno Smith is the best quarterback over 30 this year. And he's a free agent as well, I think, right? But yeah, I'm, I would imagine that the Seahawks would try to bring him back and, and re-sign him, keep him in, in, in Seattle. But these guys are going to get paid a lot of money. I mean, look, I but I think Jalen Hurts is the kind of guy you could count on. I think the Eagles will count on him and pay him and give him the contract and not worry about how he's going to you know handle all that kind of stuff. I think he'll be fine. And, and I look at his career, what he's done so far, which is, is a lot in a, in a very short period of time, the season he's having, which is clearly one of the greatest in Eagles history. If he finishes, if Jalen Hurts finishes with what he's on pace to do, which is nearly 4,000 passing yards, over 900 rushing yards, 38 touchdowns, passer rating of 105, and and right now three interceptions, which projects to about five for the season. If he finishes, if his stats at the end of the year are that, it's the greatest season a Philadelphia Eagles player has ever had. I mean, I, that's it. It is. You can give me, you know, Nick Foles, 2013, he played 11 games. Wentz, 2017, played 11 games. You can talk about T.O., 2004. We talk about some of the running back seasons, McCoy, Wilbert Montgomery, I mean, you go to 1990, Randall Cunningham. There's a lot of great seasons. I'm, I'm sure some of the Reggie seasons. But didn't they not keep the stats when, when Reggie – when did, did we have – were all of Reggie's Eagle seasons counted with sacks? Because I know a part of that, that era, like early 80s, they didn't count all the sacks. Yeah, I think they started counting sacks in like 1988. But I think Pro Football Reference has gone back and fixed that. Well, how do they do it? They go watch the games? I guess box I don't know. scores. But I think if you go to, I think back to 1960, they have actual sacks. Okay, so, so they I aren't mean, considered official. Yeah, I mean, you could. I'm sure you could pick out two or three Reg, Reggie White seasons, which are ridiculous with sack totals and and everything he accomplished. He had 18, 21, and 18 his first three full years as a as an Eagle. Yeah, I mean, you could put those. If we're making a list of the greatest individual seasons in Eagles history, they're all on them. There, he, there's been some great players here, but if Jalen Hurts continues what he's doing and finishes with these, I mean, he could have 5,000 yards of offense at the quarterback position and 40 touchdowns with less than 10 interceptions. That's that's ridiculous. It'll be the greatest season we've seen an Eagle player have. You throw that in, a playoff trip, a number one seed. We'll, we'll see how if he can win a championship here. But I believe we're watching a guy that's going to end his career having the greatest quarterback career in Eagles history. 215-592-9494. Let's say hot board. And then we have the Malcolm Jenkins discussion have. I'm in. If the if he would accept a role 
as a number one, a special teamer, and that's that's number one, special teamer, because that's where they need the help, and he's done that at a high level in his career. He used to do it here while playing safety at a high level. If Malcolm would accept a special teamer role with you know a cameo as a third safety backup on defense, I don't even want to take Reed Blankenship snaps. I I, I liked what I saw. Are you a Reed Blankenship guy? I am. I didn't like what he did, and you know I didn't like the angle he took on the Christian Watson yeah, touchdown, but. I mean, he clearly has a nose for the football. He yep. had that interception, and he stopped another screen pass later in the game where he came all the way down from the free safety position. I, I did a double take when we when he first got on the field on Sunday because I, I was like, was he the guy in the in the Miami uh, the, the preseason game that no one really kept watching as they were down like a million points in that game? Was he the guy that kept making plays? He was, right? Yeah, Brandon Lee Gowton has tweeted all year that he deserves more snaps, and He's he right. was vindicated on Sunday. I think the Eagles feel relatively comfortable with him having a big role in this defense, at least temporarily. Well, they should. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's something there, and he and he had to come in off. The, I mean, cold. Like he didn't have a week to prepare. So I, I'm okay with him out there. But the Malcolm thing, if he's willing to take a special teams role, I'd bring him in. Two one five five nine two ninety four nine four. Get back to all the phone calls. Agree, disagree. Jalen Hurts will go down when it's all done as the greatest quarterback in Eagles history. We'll take your phone calls. Hot Stove check-in at 9. We'll check in as well with our buddy Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus on the Eagles. And should we be concerned about the relatively, I don't know what the word is, like not as dominant play? Is that the best way to describe it? They haven't been as dominant the last couple weeks. They're still, they've won three of their past four games in this stretch that we're all worried about. We'll ask Brad if, if we should be worried about the Eagles Coming up on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Start NFL Week 13 off right with a no-sweat same-game parlay from FanDuel in partnership with Valley Forge Casino, America's number one sports. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or already have an account. You'll get free bets back if your Thursday night same-game parlay doesn't hit. NFL same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday. Look, I, I, this is an interesting game on Thursday. When, when teams are favored by four and a half points, they have not been covering, winning, but not covering. I'll take the Pats plus the four and a half. Give me Max Jones over his passing yards and give me an anytime touchdown for Stefan Diggs. Build your own or choose from one of the popular same game parlays. Pre built for you in FanDuel's top rated sportsbook app. However, you want to play, you could bet the NFL on Thursday night with a no sweat same game parlay. FanDuel Sportsbook is the official partner of 94 WIP. Send a promo code Gilio. If you don't already have an account, if you already have FanDuel, you're all set. Just sign in to see what you got. I really like the FanDuel. Make everyone more FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley is behind the glass. You guys with us, 215-592-9494. We'll get back to all the phone calls here on Jalen Hurts, on the idea of Malcolm Jenkins coming back. Hot soap checking at 9 o'clock before we uh, we go to the guest line here. But just quickly, I want to throw this out because I just saw this. We were wondering a lot. I, mean, I was wondering all day. Um, you know, this is the time of the week where the NFL late in the season has to make a decision if they're going to flex a game in or out of Sunday Night Football, and you look at the schedule for next week, not this coming week, Eagles-Titans, but next week, the Eagles are at the Giants, um, scheduled for a 1 o'clock game Sunday, December 11th, but that looked like a very possible flex scenario because the game that is currently, and, and I guess staying, in Sunday Night Football is the uh, the Chiefs and the Broncos. Now, I thought for the good of America, we can't have the Broncos on primetime anymore. I thought that was kind of something we all just knew and, and acknowledged together. I guess the NFL doesn't agree. Uh, because according to Art Stapleton, who covers the Giants um, up in, in New Jersey, he said per source, Giants-Eagles Sunday, December 11th is staying at 1 p.m. at MetLife Stadium. So it sounds like, at least according to one reporter, that game was not moving. Now, they could have moved another game, but 
that game was not moved, and unless there's another, you know, shoot a drop here, I guess we get the Broncos in prime time for like the seventh time this season. They clearly deserve it. They, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to watch. I mean, that's no that. one had got more. Got no one got anything more wrong than the schedule makers and the Broncos. But they, they were all in on the Broncos. Well, but the odds makers. I remember in August when we were talking about teams that could win the Super Bowl, and we had that discussion. Like, are the, Eagles, are the Eagles one of the teams that could win the Super Bowl? But the Broncos were like sixteen and one on, in the odds to win the Super Bowl. They stink. They do stink. They stay. They stink. You know who people also liked? The Saints also stink. Yeah, they all. They well, that's good for the Eagles, who currently have a top ten pick and. Uh, are the number one seed in the NFC. Let's go to the guest line here. Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, joining us here. We, we can talk about teams that stink and teams that are good right now. What's up, Brad? How you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How about you guys? We're doing well as we uh, we talk about the Eagles and try to figure out what to be concerned about, what not. Brad, I, I think it's good sometimes for us to hear a perspective that's a, kind of a big-picture perspective on the Eagles because the last three, four weeks has not been as dominant. I, I'll use that phrase for how they've played, yet they still have won three of these four games where it's been you know, kind of either tied at the half or they're down in the, in, in the third quarter and they come back to win. What do you make of the Eagles right now as they continue to win games even though they're not playing maybe as great as they were in September and early October? I think these wins are just as important, maybe even more important come playoff time when you're used to playing in one-score games, when you have to play all 60 minutes and can't just be up big at halftime and then ride that into the second half. So, you know, yes, you want to see the explosiveness through the air and on the ground. Obviously, they were as explosive as you could possibly be on the ground this past weekend against a bad Packers run defense. But, you know, the defense, I think Jordan Davis coming back soon off of injured reserve is going to make a big deal, enable them to do a ton of different things on the back end. Obviously, you lose Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, but Reed Blankenship had that interception, so they have some depth there. I think they'll get it, get it right. It's just the midseason lull and, and teams really circling them on the calendar and giving them their best effort every single Sunday. Brad, uh, the NFC East right now has four teams that are currently in the postseason. Do you think it ends that way? Could, could we be looking at the first time we ever have a division with all the teams in the postseason? It is possible because they really don't have difficult schedules, really any of them. Uh, if I had to pick one that maybe is the odd man out, I would probably go with the New York Giants. Obviously, that'll be determined here. What is that? I think the next three weeks they play the Giants twice, uh, the Commanders and the Giants, that is. So I would pick the Giants as the odd man out, but – yeah, in this new 17 format with the NFC beast as good as it is, it is still possible. All right, let's talk about Jalen Hurts here, Brad. I mean, that, that first half looked like it was out of a video game on Sunday. 11 of 17 passing, 125 yards, a touchdown, 107 passer rating, and 126 yards on the ground in the first half of that game. Brad, we've seen some some great mobile quarterbacks over the years and, and guys that have had big games. You know, Kaepernick had a 180-yard game rushing. Vic has had a couple of those kind of games. Justin Fields earlier this year. But how impressed were you watching Jalen Hurts do it with both the arm and the legs? You know, early in his career he could do it with his legs, but this year he's you know his his throwing has gotten to a high level. It certainly has. But I mean, picking up ten first downs with your legs in a single game is a ridiculous stat, right? I mean, to move the chain ten times uh, with scrambles or design runs, which is what he did in that game, is phenomenal. And yeah, the downfield passing is still coming along; it's still there. I don't think there's any concern of can he do it. Maybe now a concern of being more consistent with it and making sure you have all your weapons that are healthy and, you know, kind of both been banged up a little bit recently. But when they are firing in all cylinders, you're going to see that. And I think also, you know, the loss of Dallas Goddard has been evident in the passing game to where, you know, teams, I think, can cheat a little bit on these two receivers. Yes, Quez Watkins is a good player. They have some other weapons. But I think when you can just focus on those two guys, when the running backs aren't really a huge threat, I think they probably thought 
They'd get a little bit more out of Kenny Gainwell as a receiver, perhaps. Um, but yeah, I think you need Goddard back, and that way teams have to kind of pick and choose who they're going to lose to, so to speak, and then that's where you can get really explosive through the air. We're talking to Brad Spielberg here, Pro Football Focus, as the Eagles get set for their game on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans. Brad, when you uh, look at the NFC right now, and it, you know it's, it's kind of been a jockeying for position there behind the Eagles within the conference, but of the two teams that have come on the most over the last month, Dallas and San Francisco, who's impressing you more right now, and who do you think the bigger threat to the Eagles is? I'm going to go with San Francisco. I, and I think, uh, with all due respect, I know I'm on Philadelphia Airwaves. I think they might actually be the top two teams in the NFC. But we'll, we'll get to that another time. But the San Francisco 49ers, I think, are the best team in the NFC. I think they, on both sides of the ball now, are just so unbelievably talented. They have depth. The Niners just added Janoris Jenkins, the veteran corner, longtime very good player. Yes, he's up there in age, but I think he's been waiting for the right opportunity to come in and go to a contender. And it's just when you can get home with four pass rushers that consistently, they haven't even had Eric Armstead, a stud interior defensive lineman that can't kick outside his all-over tackles. He hasn't played basically the entire year, and he is coming back at some point. So for me, on paper, they are the best team in the NFC. Brad, um, the defense for the 49ers, I mean, that's really what, what is standing out right now. I mean, they haven't allowed a point in the second half in, in a month. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. The offense where all the names are, you know, talk about – you know, Ayuk and Debo and McCaffrey, and even though Jimmy G's not a star, I mean, he's, he's a name that we've talked about for years, and Kittle, obviously. But that defense, I mean, Brad, I, I feel like we're on an Eagles 49ers collision course. I'm not sure if it's a division round game, if it's an NFC title game. But, man, I, I can't wait to see that 49ers defense and how the Eagles try to match up. What Can they run on them? Do they throw on them? When you kind of look ahead, because they won't play in the regular season, how do you think that matchup could unfold? And I'm sure we'll talk about it before then. But d- just the Niners' defense and the Eagles' variety of ways of moving the ball in offense, it feels like an incredible you know, matchup. That would be an awesome matchup. I w- it would be amazing because I think the trench battle on both sides of the ball would be incredible. And I think maybe that's where – you know, Philadelphia has an edge over Dallas. They better offensive line across the board. I think you would need to run the football a lot. I think you'd need to stay ahead of the chains, you know, get in a lot of those third and short, third and manageable situations. You can throw. You have to throw. They do have some susceptibility at corner with the loss of Emmanuel Mosley. You know, Jason Verrett lost for the season again. You can throw on them. Traverius Ward's been a good number one for them. But the thing is, though, if you get into a situation where you're down in this game, and Nick Bosa and that crew can pin their ears back and just get after the quarterback because they know you're going to throw, that's when problems start to happen. So, yeah, I think the run game would be huge for Philadelphia in that matchup. Brad, how would you handicap the MVP race right now if you were voting? Because, you know, we're looking at it. Mahomes is is minus money right now in terms of, of the sports books and, and where he ranks in the odds. Jalen Hurts second. Tua is third. And – and I look, I think we'd agree, Brad, the best player of those three is, is Patrick Mahomes, most accomplished, best player. But the odds are interesting to me because Mahomes does not have the best record of the group. He does not have the highest completion percentage of the group. He doesn't have the highest passer rating of the group, and yet he's you know pretty far ahead of the other two. Do you think it should be that big? And, and how would you rank those three right now? So I think he should be the favorite, but I actually agree with you. The odds are a little bit long. I don't think anyone at this point in the season should be that heavy of a favorite. Maybe one thing working in that direction, they talk about records and stuff like that. To date, the Chiefs have had, have had one of the diff- most difficult schedules in the NFL, and it stays that difficult. They have our third hardest schedule for the rest of the season as well. So they've played a lot in primetime. They've beaten a lot of good football teams. I think that plays into it. I'd have Hurts second. 
and probably two attack of Iloa third if I had to rank them today. Brad, let's end with uh, the game coming up this Sunday. It's it's a really good game, an interesting one. The Tennessee Titans come here to Philadelphia. Eagles about a five and a half point favorite in the game. Both really physical teams. Both teams obviously like to run the football. We know the Titans do it with Derrick Henry at the helm. H- how do you look at this matchup here with the Titans coming off a loss to the Bengals, Eagles off their win on Sunday night? I think both offenses are going to move the ball, just perhaps in different ways. I, I cannot wait for the A.J. Brown revenge game. Obviously, you know, a little bit of bad blood there, it appears. And I think he's going to be up for this game and very motivated to deliver through the air. They are susceptible. They've given up the most explosive receptions in the NFL of 20-plus yards. They're tied with the Lions, and you never want to have a stat where you're tied with the Lions defense. And then on the other side of the ball, the Eagles are still dead last in the NFL in EPA per rush allowed. That obviously, I'm not breaking any news here, is going to be a problem against Derrick Henry. But I think if you can limit them to a degree, force Ryan Tannehill to have to make some throws, you can then get ahead of them like Cincinnati did and win that game. But it's going to be a great one. It's one of my favorite games of the weekend. Can't wait for it, Brad. Always appreciate you hopping on, and we'll be reading over Pro Football Focus. Thank you. Thank you. There he goes, Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus. How about that? We haven't – I mean, obviously it's our first show of the week here in the evening show, but the the A.J. Brown revenge factor on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans, just based on Nick Sirianni and how this stuff has kind of mattered to him. And and, he kind of has that – that thing about him as a coach where these little things matter to him and he kind of used it to his advantage. The coach, like, what did he show on Saturday? He showed the players highlights of themselves as high schoolers to kind of say, like, what would that kid think about where you, what you became? He, he's going to make A.J. Brown the, the centerpiece of the game plan. You know, Brandon Graham said last night the highlights he was shown was highlights of him kicking. So what do you think Brandon Graham, the kicker, would have thought if you told him, uh, I don't know, what was that, 15 years ago? that he, um, he would be one of the great defensive linemen in Eagles history. Yeah, he said they didn't show any defensive highlights, just him kicking. And he said he wasn't as good as Jake Elliott. I, I can imagine that. Um, what would you feel if, if we showed you your high school highlights? I don't know. There probably aren't many out there. Well, that's what, my thing was I, I would feel like I'm not surprised I didn't play professionally. It'd be a very brief take. Yeah, mine too. Like, oh yeah, look at this guy. He stinks. Well, you were a long snapper, right? I was. Um, I was a long snapper. And Who's I, a better special teamer, you or Ike Reese? Like you mean um, big picture or in our moment? I think in your moment. In, in, uh, I mean, he made a Pro Bowl, right? He likes to say. Yes. I mean, it's true. I mean, he's, he likes to remind us, but it's, it's not a make-believe he made a Pro Bowl. I didn't make any sort of like all district or county or whatever the heck they If you get. ever meet Ike Reese, that's how he introduces himself. Pro Bowler? Ike Reese, Pro Bowler. Maybe one day we could get Malcolm Jenkins, Pro Bowler, if he signs with the Eagles to play the play uh, play special teams here. 215-592-9494. Let's to Ryan in Mount Laurel. Hey, Ryan. Hey, how's it going tonight? Good, Ryan. What's up, buddy? Uh, I was just wondering if you have ever heard of the word of jinx before, man, because uh, it's knock on wood every time we say best quarterback in Eagles history here because Carson Wentz uh, prior to week 14 of uh, 2017 would have been the same exact words coming out of my mouth too. Could have been, yeah. Um, I don't believe in the jinx stuff, Ryan. I mean, you think anything we say here actually changes the outcome of things? 
Oh, God, no. But I will go into uh, different rooms to watch different TVs <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, um, it's, funny, wrong, it's funny you I'm say that. I'm at the wrong spot at the bar. Yeah, I, I believe in jinxes like that more than like, oh, no, you can't say it's a no-hitter during a no-hitter, or you can't say, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to become the best quarterback in Eagles history. But you're right, those like superstition kind of things, like sit in a different seat, that, that feels like, I, I don't know why that feels like it matters more. Because it feels like we're contributing to the game. The Eagles didn't win just because Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate. It's because I sat at the right seat in the bar. Well, you're part I of it, right? Oh, we're, yeah, exactly. we're all part of this thing. Exactly. This is, everybody in the city has got to do their part. Make sure your butt's in that right seat. Drink the right drink kind of thing. Well, that's but right. Anyway, um, I call it in because, hey, I'm really glad that you're talking about blank and shit because I really liked him during preseason, but now with Jenkins possibly wanting to come back to the Eagles, you could have basically a third-string uh, safety-slash-coach, field coach out there helping him along until Gardner comes back. Uh, and with them three sharing snaps, they'd be able to see everything on the t- field, and it can only help us. Yeah, and uh, and Ryan, I, I'm you and I saw the same thing with Blankenship. Like he had some instincts out there. That that play he made to intercept Aaron Rodgers, that was a really good play. Like he kind of moved like he was going towards the middle of the field, and then he broke on that route. Rodgers did not think he was going to do that. If you watch on the slow motion, too, it's really cool to see because you see him looking at Rodgers and glance just for a half a second over to the receiver, and then that's when he makes his move and runs up and makes the interception. He, it took him literally under .3 seconds to make that decision of, okay, here we go, and that's a veteran type of being able to read the field and read the play, which is really impressive out of a rookie on his third snap. Well, it is, and he's a guy that, you know, and Sirianni talked about him, Ryan, a priest of phone call, that they liked him, undrafted free agent. He knew some people um, who had coached him before and, and was really impressed by him. I, I, I'm in. Like, I, I think the Reed Blankenship, you know, story here is, is going to have some legs. I think he's going to get a lot of snaps the next few weeks because Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, lacerated kidney sounds like the most painful thing. I've never luckily had any sort of injury like that. That sounds – like when he went down in a heap of pain – it, it was like he was, like, frozen for a second. Do you think he knew what it was? No. Do you think he fell down and was like, ah, nuts? That's a lacerated kidney. No, I think he felt a, a just sensation of pain that's probably as painful as anything any of us have ever experienced. Like, like unless you've been in a serious accident or had a serious injury, we probably never, like... You know, I step on some, uh, like one of my kids' toys in the middle of the night, and I'm like, and that, like, that really hurts. Or you bang your toe or your knee or your elbow, and it's like, ow. Th- this is probably nothing compared to anything like that. Like it, he, I didn't know what it was at first. Like, did he break his shoulder? Did he, did he get a concussion and he was just out of it? Because it was, was he was like frozen. Yeah, it was hard to tell what it was, and then they eventually just said it was a rib injury, right? Which, if it were broken ribs or, or something like that, that that would make sense. And. So Zach Ertz missed what one game? Yeah, I believe he lacerated his kidney the second to last week of the regular season against the Cowboys when they won the di- when they uh, kind of put themselves in position to win the division. Right, and then he came back and played in the postseason playoff game. Right, he missed the game against the Giants to to clinch the division. Came back in that game against the Seahawks. I don't remember what he did in that game. 
Like, I, did he play? Did he not play most? Like, I, I remember he was active. He played two weeks later. It was a big stor- story that week because we were like, you know, you want him out there, you need him, but it's like, hey, is Zach Ertz going to, you know, injure himself further seriously trying to play in a playoff game here? Yeah, the only other guy that I know that has lacerated a kidney in football is Jordan Poyer, the former Eagle safety who's now been an all-pro with the Bills. I think he did it in, like, week six of 2016 and never came back the rest of the year. It, it seems like an injury that, I mean, I guess you can have various degrees of lacerations on your kidney, but it seems like it could be a, a big, big range. Yeah, the Inquirer today had a kind of Q&A on the injury and what it means and how long it takes to heal. And they, they, said, they wrote that most patients complete recovery in four to six weeks. Now, we don't, like Howard said earlier, we don't know how lacerated it is, right? Like, is it a slight laceration? Is it significant? Is it like a paper cut? But on your kidney, that feels like it still hurts, like paper cut. Um, but four to six weeks would would obviously mean he doesn't play again in the regular season, but he'd still be back for the divisional round. Right, and if you have the luxury of the first round by, I mean, in theory, they could also have things wrapped up by the time he's healthy anyway, right? If they have things wrapped up by week 17 or week 18 and he's healthy, you can have him sit at home for an extra two weeks. Yeah, I wonder if the Cowboys game four weeks from now impacts the IR decision because if they put him on the IR, he's out for the Cowboys game, right? Right in the next four games are Titans, Giants, Bears, Cowboys. I wonder if they'd they'd play a man down the next three weeks if they think he could be back for the Dallas game. It's possible, especially because you can add guys from the the practice squad and things. Like you could find right. a safety to just kind of throw on the practice squad and, and elevate if necessary. I think they might do that. Matt is up on WIP. Hey, Matt. Hey, how's it going? Good, Matt. What are you thinking uh, tonight, bud? Well, first thing I want to say is probably Sunday night was the first time Gardner even realized he had a kidney. You know, well, I mean, we don't. I guess I don't think about my kidneys either. And then if you have a problem, you start thinking about them. That, that, didn't it just look so painful, Matt, when he went down? Oh, absolutely. We, uh, we, I think everyone knew something was up, but we had no idea what was up, especially because of the way he fell. Um, uh, but I wanted to touch base with uh, your uh, surmising that uh, Hurts is going to be the best quarterback in the Eagles history. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you, people, when they do that, including you, you use stats to uh, back that argument. And I think that's a bad a bad. Uh, route to go, and he kind of alluded to it before, is that, that with the new NFL rules, every quarter, every team's quarterback is breaking their, their uh, old team's records. Um, I've been looking at it this way. Uh, Kirk Cousins and uh, Dak Prescott are both going to have far better stats than McNabb when, when they're done. Matt, you're right. Matt, you, Matt you're, you're completely right on this. And, and to, to put it in perspective what you're saying, I think after Sunday's game, I think Jalen Hurts now has the highest passer rating for a career. In Eagles history, like he just and, and Foles was number one. I think Wentz uh, Wentz was two, and now it's it's Hurts one, Foles two, Wentz three, and they're all the most recent quarterbacks. Yeah, and I, I think that's pretty much every every team. Yeah. I mean, every team's current, current quarterback either holds the record or close to it. Um, I mean, Mahomes. You think by week fourteen they said he's going to obliterate every quarterback record? That doesn't mean he's better than Marino or or Joe Montana or Peyton Manning and all of that. Um. But uh, also, I want to touch base with the MVP argument too. Um, a lot of times, people mention that they they mention the bet odds for uh, Hertz being the MVP in second. Well, that's that's bet odds. That's not actually odds. I mean, those odds are a lot of times based, you know, adjusted based on how much money's being thrown at one player. Um, a lot of times, when you look at a lot of the sports writers and websites that have it ranked that aren't part of Las Vegas, they have they have a uh, Hertz third or fourth. 
And I'm going to make a prediction. I think Michael Parsons is going to get second or third in MVP voting. He could be on some ballots, and, and Matt, with the um, with the way they're going to vote now, like one, two, three, four, five. I think it certainly opens up the possibility. Matt, appreciate your phone call. It opens up the possibility a non quarterback is going to be on ballots now. Justin Jefferson, Tyree Kill, Micah Parsons. If you want to throw someone that I'm not thinking of right now that's had a great season and there's not a quarterback, uh, I, I think you could see that. Someone will, will sneak him in. Here's what I'll say about the betting odds versus just the way we talk about who's going to win these awards. Are the betting odds always correct? No. right? It's a, it's a snapshot in the moment of uh, of liability when it comes to sports books. right? If, if they're getting – like if the sports books put Jalen Hurts at 21 right now, guess what? Everyone's going to vote for him because he's probably a top two or three guy, and that's crazy value even if he doesn't win. So that's, that's the way all that works. But you know what I have noticed over the past couple of years? Like, I do the BetQL show, so I'm, I'm paying attention to this stuff more than I used to. But I've also just, because it's, it's legal now, right? So, I mean, I use FanDuel, and I, I, I look at the odds all the time. At the end, of, like, in the season, the snapshot of the odds often, ha- it just it's just random. I, I don't really think they know what they're doing. They're just trying to set it the way they think will, will be the best for them. But have you noticed by the end of the year, the person who's the favorite to end the season wins? Like, they know what they're doing. Like in baseball, we said the awards that came out. None of them were not the favorite when the year ended. Goldschmidt, Judge, Verlander, Alcantara. Like there, there was no one that was like five to one and then won the award. They were all the favorites when the year ended. So th- they know something. I wonder how much influence goes the other way, right? If you're an MVP voter and you may not have a take, or you're kind of split between the two. And you open FanDuel and Vegas is telling you that Patrick Mahomes is the favorite. Does that influence you in any way? So I think that could. The other thing, I, well, so that means we're probably going to get less surprises as the years go on. I think with betting, we're kind of trending that way anyway. Everyone just falls in line. And the other thing that I think impacts this is, is social media. I mean, I don't, I don't think it should. Everyone, like, everyone's grownups that votes for these. Like, they should have an opinion and not be swayed by getting yelled at. But I think that happens. I and mean, we've seen, like... I'm sure there is someone out there right now that covers the NFL that has an MVP vote that says, you know what? Joe Burrow, since week one, has been just as good as Mahomes and Hurts and Tua. I think he's the MVP. And you know what? I, I respect that opinion. I, mean, I wouldn't yell at you if you said that. But do you think anyone's actually going to vote Joe Burrow? Like, based on, like, if the season ended today, do you think anyone would actually vote him one? Because I think they get screamed at by people. No, I, I do think making ballots public influences voting quite a bit. Yeah, it makes it less fun a little bit. It does, and I think they should just remain private. Like, you can list the ballots, but just don't say who it is. Like, in uh, American League MVP voting, everyone voted for Aaron Judge, except for the two voters from the Los Angeles Angels contingent. Right. Yeah, well, you're right. And that came off as sour grapes, and they got, you know, a, a lot of flack for that. So, quickly here, um, we got more updates on the Eagles, Giants, uh, and the non-flexing coming up in, was that week 14? This is week 13 coming up. So week 14, the Giants and the Eagles are staying at 1 o'clock, and the Dolphins and Chargers are going to primetime. So they listened to us. They listened to America. No more Broncos. Apparently the Bills and Jets were protected by CBS. That was one of the potential choices that CBS said, nope, not taking it. It is a big matchup in probably the most important division, at least viewership-wise. 
that that CBS has. Yeah, and and so they so NBC did not get the Giants with the so they they were going for the New York market at least with one of the two. They wanted the Jets in there, didn't get them. So they're going to get the Chargers and and Dolphins, which is a good game. And, and Tua and Herbert are uh, are two really good young quarterbacks right now. So that that's the game. Eagles and the uh, and the Giants stay at one o'clock. So do we get any more primetime games this season? No, right, right. As of now, and the, things could change, but as of now, we are slated for zero primetime Eagles games the rest of the season. One o'clock Titans and one o'clock Giants, one o'clock Bears, four twenty-five Cowboys, one and one to end the season. Yes, which is good because we've had one one o'clock game since October thirtieth. It is weird, right? It's been a Thursday game. It's been a Monday game, Sunday game, and then the one one o'clock game against the Colts. If you go back to week five, when they, they played the Cardinals at 425, and that was in Arizona, so obviously it was later, but they've gone 425, Sunday night, bye. One o'clock, Thursday night, Monday night, one o'clock, Sunday night. It's thrown it off. I'm I'm ready for a run of one o'clock games here. Yeah, I like the rhythm of a one o'clock game. Yeah, well, and I like that. So I'm, we're getting five out of the last six should be one o'clock games. They could they could flex, but what would be flex? The Giants one was that obvious one. That's not going to happen now. They're not flexing the Bears a Sunday night. I mean, why would you do that? I mean, especially if Fields is out, that game the Eagles could be twelve point thirteen point favorites that game. Maybe more. That's not going. The Dallas one. I think we're locked in a 425 on Christmas Eve. I think we are. And then after that, Saints and Giants, I don't see a flex game. Unless something weird happens with the division. Like if the Eagles lose three or four games and the Giants get hot again, so the last they're game. falling apart. I think they've lost three in a row or three of their last four. The Giants get the end? That game could be meaningful, but I don't think it will be. Yeah, I, I don't think it will be either. I mean, there's a chance we don't watch the Eagles play it at – night again the rest of the year. I mean, I guess they could play that Saturday game on Divisional Round Weekend. And the conference championship could be at, like, three. Right. It, what, what's the – they always rotate this year. They rotate year by year. Like, NFC has the game first. AFC has the game. I, I've, so, last year was what? Last year was uh, – why am I blanking? Who was at the t- title games last year? Uh, it was – Chiefs. Chiefs-Bengals was first. Correct. Which means Rams Niners was second. Which Correct. means this which year sense. the title game will be a three thirty Eastern. Yes. NFC title game. All right. So so that so I don't we're not getting not we likely won't get a night game the rest of the season until the Super Bowl. Yes. Six six thirty. Two which one is the longest six thirty start ever. It is. Two one five five nine two ninety four nine four. We'll come back. Your phone calls. I believe Jalen Hurst will end up as the greatest quarterback in Eagles history. Agree, disagree. Do you want Malka back? And we'll get to a Phillies hot stove check in next, right here on Sports Radio ninety four WIP.